Hi, this is Pete Best, and you're listening to Sci Fi Saturday Night. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. Me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good evening, unless it's morning, and welcome to the new year of Area 51 recordings of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We are the only podcast to guarantee to remain carbon neutral. How do we make this guarantee? I have no idea. Hey, everybody, I'm your vaccinated host, The Dome. This is episode 514. Tonight is another mask mandate. Hey, Cam, everybody else is dropping their mask mandates. Have we thought about doing that? I don't know. I kind of like my uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon mask. I'm going to keep it. Yeah, I know. I mean, we could keep it if we want to, but we don't need to mandate it anymore. So it could be mask optional. Okay, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm still keeping it. I, I, you wouldn't believe all the compliments I get on the street. You know? Well, no, I, I get them a lot because I, I'm told over and over again that I have a face for podcasts. So, you know, I'm keeping it that way. Uh, it's a mask optional semi-quarantine evening here in Area 51, and in this episode, we're going to try and a- answer the question, what's the difference between an American werewolf and, and a Canadian werewolf? I- I'm not sure, but I'm I'm understanding that tonight we have the person who could answer that question. Joining me in the Area 51 broadcast facility tonight at the clickbait fact-checking wheel of fish and soylent green snack bar, it is Captain Cam. And it is mask optional, so I'm, I've got to change that. Uh, mask optional, O-P-T-I-O-N-A-L. Changing that in the bylaws as we're talking. Um, so, how was your week, sir? Oh, my week was very good. Let's see. Um, sales on the cookbook are going well. Um, Excellent. I've sold three copies so far. Uh, let's see. So, your That's... mom, your dad, and who else? My brother. Oh, <laughs> my sister. Why did I not do, think of that? My sister doesn't cook, so you know she uh, she skipped out on that. So, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You think she should just buy one just for the heck of it, you know, to support? Oh her brother, no, I but, know you your know. sister, and that's not happening. <laughs> we both, yes, yes. Hey, yep. That is definitely not happening. She might hit you over the head with it. But she's definitely yeah. not going to buy one. And it is a thick book, you know. I mean, seriously, there's so many things you can do with silly with silly putty. Yeah, I'm I'm aware of that, and yep. we'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks. Anyhow, definitely. tonight uh, we welcome back the guy uh, uh, who wrote the Canadian Werewolf series uh, and has just finished just published book two in that canadian werewolf series fright night's big city welcome back uh 
friend of the show and heck of a writer, Mark Leslie. Mark, welcome back, my friend. Hey, Dom. Great to be here. Thanks for having me back. Great to hang out with you guys. Uh, Mask or no mask? Oh, well, hey, mask, gas mask, hazmat suit, whatever you're comfortable with is fine for (laughs) you. Exactly. It keeps (laughs) keeps my face warm in the winter, so I'm I'm cool with it. Well, I kind of wrap myself in Velcro and then just hop into... A, a bowl of of like uh, uh, those uh, <laughs> those uh, uh, styrofoam peanuts and oh, see what perfect. happens just for the hell of it, you know. But that's me, and I've been told that I'm a little strange. A Speaking of a little strange, uh, your second book in the Canadian Werewolf series, Fright Night's Big City. Um, if we're being honest. You took one big book and took a pair of scissors and cut it in half (laughs) because the first book ends on an airplane and the second book begins literally a second later. (laughs) Maybe a little bit of overlap, too. Yeah, (laughs) possibly a little bit of overlap, but with my two favorite characters, Michael Andrews and Alexandria Jones cuddling together on that airplane. Um, and, and my two favorite, favorite characters together again, uh, cuddling up, loving each other, having a blast getting to know each other. Uh, Michael, the werewolf and, 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 and Lex, what is she? <laughs> yeah, what is she? She has some sort of powers. <laughs> we don't really know what it is. It's something unique, I guess. So in the America that we're writing about here, there's this whole undercurrent of people with powers. There's werewolves, there's there's people with powers. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And as Fright Night's big city moves forward and Cal and Lex land in New York City to begin their life together. Um, We learn that there's a lot more going on in New York than Cal really ever knew about. Yeah. Yeah, it took, I guess, it took going to uh, L.A., which happens in... um, Fear and Longing in Los Angeles, uh, for him to recognize the things that and 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 again, I'm I'm drawing a parallel to perhaps America when we didn't realize how many you know neo-Nazis were around, uh, for, for example, right? Like, <laughs> you know, um Yeah, they and, didn't and, just pop out one day, they'd been no, there all along. They were there. And yeah, it took so us even, a while to go, oh, that's what you guys are. <laughs> that's it. But it's even, uh, and I use that in in a scene early on in the novel where Lex finds a piece of graffiti in in a washroom, and it's kind of like it could have been something that Michael could have he could have seen this symbol hundreds of times, but until he went to L.A., met Lex, and learned what this symbol meant, uh, that's when it actually you know uh, kind of all came home. You're like, oh my God, this I could have seen this before, um, and and so that was just sort of. That was sort of my subtle way of saying, yeah, they've they've always been there. There was always been, and even uh, they, they talked about reference to the 
when they're in LA, they talked about the, you know, the Eastern group, which they thought was in, you know, uh, Pomona or something like just. Yeah. East, just, LA. Just east LA. No, not, not all the no, way. No, east no, 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 no. It's east of the Mississippi. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But so, I mean, we, we go on to find out things that even the people closest to Cal, uh, Mac Halpern, um, a Gale, his his bestest friend forever, thinks just completely oblivious about. Yeah, because you know he was caught up in his own little world. Well, his own big world. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, it yeah. his world his world took a lot of him getting used to. Right. And his coming to terms with and that whole first book. Uh, you know, Canadian werewolf, uh, it, that whole first book is how do I come to terms with who I am, what I am and what it is I'm doing. Yeah. And, and then it's like, now it's, now it's, you know, how do I come to terms with the world around me? Right. And you've got a tagline in there. It's maybe, I don't know, maybe 60 or 70 pages in. And it, it just caught me so off guard when I read it. Uh, and I, f I forget who says it, but the quote is, it makes for one hell of a paranormal romantic comedy, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> and I just read it and it was kind of one of them, I don't know, Lucy and Ricky throwaway lines. And I just kind of went, but yeah, that should be right under the title. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, I have had uh, a number of readers who, have, have read the previous books in the series and really enjoyed the action and adventure, but uh, particularly Fear and Longing in Los Angeles and Fright Night's Big City, which as as you suggested, is really one giant book that I had no choice but to cut in half because it would have been 180,000 words. Um, there was a lot of romance. There was a lot of love. I mean, the underlying story is, and I did, I did want to split them in two. I would have split them in two because I had to get into the detail of, of what happened where, you know, um, where Michael believes at the end of uh, fear and longing in Los Angeles, that he can just live a normal life, that he can actually be a normal human and he can ignore these powers and just live life because he's found his love and, and, and he can begin again. Uh, and of course you realize that, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to take ownership for these, these powers that you have and, and put them to good use. And, um, and also, um, and also that sometimes we, I, th I think we lie to ourselves uh, and it's easy to lie to ourselves. Um, I mean, somebody could have read that first book and just been happy. Hey, they're on the plane together. They're happy. They're starting a new life together. Fade to black. Um, but then there's more if people wanted more. And, and the more, of course, it fades to black and then it gets really dark um, uh, for, for a while. And I, and I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun researching, you know, the New York of of that eerie, scary Charles Bronson death wish, 70s and 80s sort of era. Uh, and, well, and then you know, merging merging that with elements from The Purge and things like that. Well, Michael clearly has never read a single Spider-Man comic. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> clearly, never one. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and... No, he doesn't know anything about the wall crawler, no. <sighs> Maybe Marvel Comics just doesn't exist in the world that Mark has created. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. 
No, I mean the the whole reason he moved to New York was he wanted to live where Spider Man was. So. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I was being facetious. I know he was being facetious. Uh, that was, uh, but no, that was the. Um, uh, yeah, of course, it's a very, very blatant nod <laughs> to my favorite superhero. I, this is going to be, this is a difficult interview for me uh, for a number of reasons, because I can't talk about the last third of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can, I can under, I can understand that. Um, um, although your reaction is very satisfying to me as a writer, because I knew that ending before I began the two books. Explain that to me. I understood. I. I you understood to, where you had to go. <clears throat> I yeah. I I I wanted. I had that scene in mind. Um, and, and I had sort of written that scene in my head, uh, maybe not in that exact setting. Cause I wasn't even sure where it was going to go down, but yeah, yeah. I needed that final confrontation scene to be really, uh, powerful. And I didn't know how I was going to get there. And it actually took me two books to get there. I thought it was going to be in one book. And I think I was only, I may have only been about, oh, 60% of the way through Fear and Longing in Los Angeles when I realized there's no way I was going to be able to get to that point because I needed to do so many more things uh, before I could get to that point. And I wasn't even sure if it was going to be one or two uh, books at that point because, you know, I think Fear and Longing, the first draft of it was over 110,000 words. I think we managed to get it cut down to something like 90,000. Um, and, and again, I was only halfway through telling the story I wanted to tell. Um, but yeah, I had that scene in mind. And, and I'm glad you said that because I, I, I had trouble with the whole end of that book. I mean, one of the things I think, and maybe because there's a bit of a mystery or a bit of a twist, is I can't talk about, I needed the bad guys to do a big, right. I called it the big, this big nasty, this big nasty thing that they needed uh -huh. to do. <laughs> I spent... Weeks well, we are weeks. talking in similes and metaphors now, kid. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't doing the big nasty. They were doing a, a big nasty thing uh, to the people of New York. And I needed to figure out what that nasty thing was. So I, I'm honest, uh, if I'm not on some CIA or FBI watch list for looking at ways to, you know, to. Yeah, um, your Google searches are giving off a lot of bad vibes. <laughs> So that's why I didn't even know where it was going to take place. I even had started to map out based on uh, infrastructure things from the city that I had read about. And I was trying to figure out how am I going to get my characters way over there? And how is this going to go down? And, and then I pictured the scene again and I reimagined it at this setting. And then when I read another piece of information, I went, oh, I can't because that thing hasn't been in operation for 40 years. <laughs> Um, and so I had to kind of start from the go back to the drawing board uh, on that. So there was uh, there was a lot of really fun things that I did with it. But the last 60 pages was really, really hard to write for a number of reasons. But hearing you say that actually kind of brings me some satisfaction as a, as a writer. Uh, maybe I made the right decision. In your author's notes at the end of the book. You refer to yourself as a quote discovery writer 
yeah. or conversely, <laughs> a panster or yeah. someone who writes by the seat of their pants without an art outline or even a specific direction in mind. Okay, number one, A, I don't believe that. And I'll tell really? you why. <laughs> okay. I believe um, you have point A and you have point Z. And then you go, I have all these lab rats. And I really like this lab rat. And I really like this lab rat. And I really like this lab rat. Are you marked, get set, go. Let's see what happens. It's and like, if I don't like that lab rat, I'll throw this one in here. And then later on, I'll throw this one in here. <laughs> and then just for the hell of it, every once in a while, I'll throw this one in and watch what happens. <laughs> it's almost like you have a you have a window into my writing space. You see what I'm actually doing. <laughs> you know what? And in this particular case, I did I did have that uh, the point Z uh, or Z um, depends on where you are in the world. And 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 a lot of the fun was discovering all those letters or all those rats. And, and again, you, you kind of set in, in a lot of cases, I'll put some characters into a scene and I have no idea what's going to happen. They they dictate what they're going to say to me and I just record what they're doing. <laughs> I write it down and go, oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, a lot of the stuff, uh, a lot of the stuff I may I may know, oh, I need to do this sort of milestone has to happen here. At some so point, example, we got to be here, or at some point, they got to do this. How are we going to get you guys over here? Yeah, we're going to put and you they, in a play. Their own way there. <laughs> um, now, the beauty of how you write, and honestly, I love this, is you write with economy and style. Um, there is, there is, ah. Uh, if you've never been to New York, there is a smell and a taste and a grit. And I can feel it and I can taste it and I can smell it in your book. Oh. And that was wonderful for me. Thank you. Um, but it does. Yeah, there is a, a, a scent. <laughs> to the city and and to different neighborhoods too. Um, I mean, afford, yeah. Fortunately, when, our hero, when you're talking about walking outside the Algonquin, <laughs> it's a different smell. It's a different taste. It's a different feel than six blocks up north to go to the delicatessen to get yourself a sandwich. Yeah. And I know where you're going, and I know what it means because you've been there. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Writing these books is a real um, was a real treat for me because it allowed me to pretend I was back in the city. It's been last time I was in New York was probably in the summer of 2019. Um, OK, so, that's that's yeah. uh, subtract another 30 years. Uh, wow. uh, yeah, that's the last time I was back in the city. Wow. And let me tell you, it's it's. You know, I, I it, you just projected me back there. And it was a wonderful feeling for me. Um, 
there was an economy of, of words that was just a lot of fun. Um, I mean, you could have gone way overboard. And you choose not to. You, there were times when you used descriptors very nicely with with flair. But most of the time, a lot of economy. And it was great. I had a lot of fun with it. Okay, I'm, I'm done doing that. Thank you. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with Google Maps, just to remind myself of what would you see if you looked to the left when you were standing here? Isn't it nice that you can do that now? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you walk uh, down the stairs and you hang a left, what do you see? Exactly. I mean, in, in one of the things on the last trip, uh, one of the one of the last trips uh, to New York with my partner, and we've spent a lot of time exploring Central Park. Uh, there's just so much to explore. But I remember very specifically walking off the path. And I know you're not allowed to do that in certain areas because I wanted to explore. Would this be a good place for Michael to change? Would this be a good place where he could hide that if he woke up here? There are places where it isn't for damn yeah, sure. <laughs> I know. And so that I, I had to do that. And so Liz is like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, for the next Canadian werewolf story, I want to see if this is a good place for Michael. Uh, you know, on the other side of Bow Bridge and stuff like that. And yeah, it depends on the time of year too, in terms of the foliage. But um, th that's always fun. So it, it's always like a work. It's like a work trip, no matter where I go, because I'm always <laughs> looking for that little, that little hook uh, that I can uh, use. That that you know, a local will go. No, there's no way he'd be able to hide there. Right. Right. So, so now you're on the FBI, the CIA, and the New York City Police Department's watch list for <laughs> Apparently, yeah. wandering into strange places you shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, it's all for research. All for research. Yeah, all for research. Oh, just keep Why is that man naked the in the park? Yeah. Well, I want to know if people would be able to see that I was naked standing behind these bushes. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Thank you, officer. I will move on now. Yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to bring up a little something, Mark, because you've because like Dom said, you are you are a very good writer, and you you you. Well, I won't get into the whole economy and stuff that the words he was using, but you used something that I have never seen used before in this particular way. So I've seen books before with interludes, and this is the, probably the only thing we're going to talk about that's in the last third of the book. So. <laughs> But but possesses no spoilers, so that way I can speak quite f f fine with it about it and not have to worry about getting into any trouble, which I've done before. <laughs> so, um, you wrote an interlude, and it was one of the more interesting interludes I have ever run into. And for those that don't quite understand what an interlude, an interlude is just a little something that. It fills in the space in a story, whether it's a movie, whether it's a television series, whether it's and you list a whole bunch of examples. Uh, I should probably get into that. But it, it basically covers a time period where you don't want to hear about how the person went to sleep, got up the next day, ate breakfast, you know, did his laundry, yada, yada, blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, rinse and repeat. So. But you literally do that. You open up. <laughs> Your interlude, which is supposed to be, you know, getting us between one point in the story and another multiple days later, 
by explaining what an interlude is. <laughs> and the fun part about this is for the first page and a half, I'm not sure whether this is Michael or this is Mark Leslie talking to me. <laughs> is this more seats of your pants stuff or? Yeah, it was so, I mean, I have other interludes in, in these novels um, and it's usually called interlude wolf night. And what it usually is, is when Michael is a wolf, he has no consciousness of it. So there's these scenes because the, the whole story is told through his point of view. There are scenes told from the point of view of the wolf who doesn't have human consciousness. So those are regular interviews, interludes, which are usually a page, maybe two pages long. This interlude was given a title uh, of what's the difference between a chapter and an interlude anyway. And when I was going to write that, I thought, okay, they have to do a lot of stuff. Um, they have to create things. They have to work together. They have to test things. And all of that takes a lot of time. In a movie, there's a musical sequence. You know, the director can in 30 seconds show you, oh, yeah, a week passed. And this is all like this is, you know, the Rocky training training sequence or Luke being trained by Yoda over the course of however long that took place. Um, and in this particular case, I thought, well, it's going to be obvious to the reader what I'm doing. And because Michael's got a tongue in cheek sort of approach and it's told from his point of view, why not just come right out and admit, hey, you know, I'm not going to try and hide anything here. This is an interlude. And here's why we're doing it. And because, again, um, I can fill you in on all the details you want, but you don't need to get the blow by blow of every single moment of every day over the week or so where they're doing all this stuff, because that's the boring stuff. Right. We want to get to the um, uh, we want to get to the 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 action. Otherwise, this might have had to be broken into three books. <laughs> so. And one of the things also that you do very well is you give us an opportunity here to get to know Michael a little bit more deeply. There is a great little bit here, and this is still within those first two pages of the interlude where he's where, you know, you're talking about um, Michael gets into, you know, the fact that the interlude is for there for transitions. And then he starts saying. In my writing, particularly in my Maxwell Bronte novels, transitions are one element I've always been quite self-conscious of. Because perhaps that's because in real life I felt awkward in those transitional moments. When I first walk into a room, for example, especially in a large social gathering, unless there is a specific destination, goal, or focus, I feel like a blundering fool. If I were to walk into that same room where the expectation is for me to mount the stage and speak to the entire room, even were I not prepared for it, if it were sprung upon me out of the blue, I would heartily embrace the challenge. My graceless, gawky nature would all but melt away as the attention centered on the task at hand. While others may find, be fine lurking in the crowd, instead, and might faint with fear at the thought of speaking in front of a large crowd, I'm more comfortable with that defined purpose than in this awkward transitional mingling within a crowd. And in that moment, I'm realizing, Michael, I've never seen a more perfect definition of social anxiety. And that's what Michael has there, is he has social anxiety. And that's like the perfect textbook definition of it. And I just, I thought that was so perfect because I'm reading this on a PDF. I quickly highlighted that entire section <laughs> just because I said, I need to talk with Mark about this. Because it was like, 
And I got to ask you, where did this specifically, this little portion come from? Or again, was it just pulling from the seats to your pants and just knowing your character really well? Well, it's easy for me to know Michael because a good percentage, maybe about 75% of Michael (laughs) uh, comes from uh, yours truly. And so that was right there, 100% me. Um, and so the, a lot of, a lot of the Michael's awkwardness and not knowing how to deal in certain situations is, is me. And that right there was, was just pure Mark Leslie just injected into it. And I thought this is, this is Michael and this is why he cracks jokes in the middle of a fight because he's nervous as hell and he's kind of, he's kind of using it to whistle past the graveyard. It's one of those things. So yeah, I thought this is, this is perfect. And and again, the self-consciousness, because, you know, Michael is a writer with the Maxwell Bronte stuff. And I thought, OK, Michael's going to admit as the narrator to the reader that he's not good at this part that he's doing right now. Uh, he's even awkward in talking about it, which is, you know, demonstrating his awkwardness right right in the moment. Because normally you're supposed to, you know, wave your hands and don't pay attention to any, any you know, the man behind the curtains. Um, but Michael's very cheekily pointing out maybe me to the reader as well as himself. Uh, so again, it was really a challenge to put that in because I thought, okay, my editor was fine with it. We had a bit of a discussion, but it was a bit of a challenge because I thought this could really annoy the heck out of a reader. And I'm I'm glad that, I'm glad you enjoyed that, that moment. I loved it. I th- And the, you see, this is funny. The reason I laughed a little bit is when you, when you were saying that, it's like, I got this feeling we weren't just getting a, a, a you know, a, a peek inside of Michael, but we were getting a peek inside of you to have spoken those words so wonderfully. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting thinking, yeah, we've got to be getting a peek into more than just because, I mean, I know those feelings, too. I have those kinds of feelings in my life, you know, <laughs> and it's and and it's like I'm just sitting there going, yes, yes, yes. This sounds great. I think. What you did here with this interlude was fantastic writing. It's something that I have, I mean, true, I haven't read every book in existence, but I have never seen anything quite like this before. And I think it was absolutely fantastic. And if there's just one part of this book, I would hold up and say, you need to just read this. That would be it, your interlude. It's oh. it's so fantastic because it does what it needs to do. It's the interlude. And it allows us to get to know the character a little bit better. Well, thank you so much. That means uh, so much because, again, when you take a risk like that, <laughs> you really hope that it pays off. I I don't think it was really a risk. Well, I mean, yes, I can understand where you're coming from that, yes, at the time you were writing, it's a risk. But when I read it, there was no risk there. In fact, the funniest part was just me trying to figure out, wait a minute, did the author just step in and start telling a story? Or is it the author character telling the story? And then I realized, oh, yeah, it's the author character i get it i'm with you i'm back with you mark you just keep talking there we go i'm good well you know i was always a fan of uh, Bertolt brecht so that was my chance to do some brechtian theater right in the book hey i like it it works and when it works you know that's that's the best kind of cool that there is um in your author notes at the end you allude to many other books that might occur so realistically how many other books are there coming within this universe because this universe is ripe for picking there's there's a lot of stories that you've opened the door for here yeah i did leave a number of things unresolved even though there is a resolution to this novel 
And there's I, some I, resolution to this novel. Yes, yeah, some resolution. There's to not the immediate, a lot. <laughs> to the immediate urgency of the situation. But um, there are some unanswered questions. Um, for example, it's very obvious and has been throughout the series that there's more to Buddy than meets the eye. Um, yep. Uh, we Thank God, because Buddy's a cool character. Yeah, I yes. love I love Buddy. I'm actually um, so right now for uh, the four book uh, box set that I'm going to be putting together in a, in a in a few months. I'm Ooh, writing. Sign me up. Sign <laughs> me up. I want that set. I want the hardbound edition of that mother. <laughs> I'm writing the story. I've got the cover design for it already, and it's not. It's only going to be available either from direct purchase from me for like a dollar. Or as part of the box set. So I don't want people who've bought all the books to have to buy them just to get this story. But it's going to be about a 10,000 word story called Once Bitten. And it is the flashback to the night. Uh, well, the Michael realizing he is becoming a werewolf. So the night that he meets Buddy on the highway and he gets bitten, it's alluded to in, in a Canadian werewolf, New York. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm I'm having so much fun because it's the first time he's met Buddy. And I can really have fun with him because he's with Buddy for the majority of this story. Uh, and uh, and nice. Buddy, again, he shows up at just this most opportune moment. Um, so I've got that story that'll be coming out. I am working on Lover's Moon. So uh, again, and, and so Julie uh, Strauss, who's a, a good friend of mine and a romance writer, um, what I want to have happen is at the, yeah, the end of this novel, uh, there will be sort of a bit of a modern, like, you know, 2017 when, when the, this is taking place mm -hmm. with a flashback where Michael remembers um, Gail when he first met Gail and fell in love. Because, again, we've never saw that. It always happened off off camera, it always off stage. And so Lover's Moon is their their meet cute, their love story. And it's going to be couched within sort of a modern you know, telling. But. What's happening is Julie is writing Gail's point of view, the female pr perspective, and I'm writing Michael's. And, and the reason I asked Julie to step in and help me is I put Gail up on a pedestal like Michael, uh, worship her and can't see any faults. And in order to have a really good, compelling character, you have to understand their faults. And again, I have trouble seeing Gail's faults and, and nuances because Michael worships her and so do I. And so uh, Julie and I have had several uh, multi-hour long meetings uh, remotely, like through Zoom, because she's in California and I'm, I'm up here in Canada, um, where we have talked a lot about Gail's backstory, which has never been explored. Um, and, and Lover's Moon's going to get into the backstory. And some of Gail's backstory is going to actually influence what happens in the future. And... Julie's helped me uncover some stuff that I didn't even realize I'd put in the books. And um, so I have um, the, the next book potentially in the series, full length book, after, like Lover's Moon is going to be a novella, kind of like Stowaway was. Oh, are uh, we going to learn about book... the Enchanted Magic Boutique? What's that? Are we going to learn about the Enchanted Magic Boutique? You're going to learn more about the Enchanted Magic nice. Boutique, which is based on a real, and it's in the exact same location as a real um, uh, awesome uh, little uh, occult shop uh, in the same neighborhood. I had to make oh, sure there was cool. a liquor store right, or a beer, a beer store right there, too, so I had to double check <laughs> that. Um, you know, because he had to get drunk before he went and dealt, uh, well, dealt yeah. with it. Well, um, yeah, I get that. But the next totally book was tentatively... 
the full-length book is tentatively going to be called Hex in the City. Um, again, we know there's more supernatural beings around. We're going to dig, Michael's going to need to dig into that a little bit more and understand who else is, who else is there? And are there still uh, remnants of this, of this hate group uh, who have supernatural powers? You know, there's, there's several of them that are never accounted for. Um, and so. One or two in particular. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, will they be coming back? Uh, so Michael's going to be on high alert uh, for for some of those things. So I think there's going to be at least two or three or four other stories that'll probably come. I, I again, I have trouble figuring out um, how how deep and how far it's going to go. I know at one point in time, well, maybe Michael has to figure out his own lineage as a wolf. You know, that can be a whole um, a whole storyline right there. So yeah. I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, readers are having fun with it, and I figure so long as everyone's having fun, I'm just going to keep playing with it. Well, uh, I got I got to tell you, uh, I'm sure as hell having fun with it because um, Michael and Michael and Gail have become kind of imprinted on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I like Michael a lot. Uh, He's, he's the kind of protagonist who, regardless of how out there you make him, still remains so human that there's just no way you, you say to yourself, well, he can't be real. Because he is. And... and the more I read him, the more he becomes, um, the more, the, the more he becomes, he becomes. Does that make sense? I think so. Uh, cool. Because even Michael, uh, when I first wrote him, it was a 10,000 word short story uh, where, you know, he wakes up naked in Battery Park and has a bullet in his leg and he's not sure what he did the night before. I didn't even well, know. I can't his tell name. you how many times that's happened to me. Yeah, anyway. I know it happens every time I go to New York, damn it. But I mean, <laughs> I didn't even know his name in that first story. It wasn't until my buddy said, "Hey, you should see what happens the rest of his day," that that I I came up. Okay, well maybe I'll try and write a longer story. And then I said, "Well, I better name the darn guy. Let's <laughs> give him a name." Okay, Michael Andrews sounds like a common enough name, but you know, easy enough to pronounce. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so I have been learning more about Michael as the stories progress. Like what else, I, you know, I jokingly say a lot of Michael is based on me. That's partially, you know, laziness. You know, my favorite comics were Spider-Man. I wanted to live in New York when I was a kid. I did. I, I'm a writer. So all of those things were relatively easy. But um, I think as as michael goes through certain situations i learn about how he reacts to that situation which isn't necessarily how i would react in that situation so uh we, it's kind of like we started off really close friends and and we're still close friends but we're re recognizing our differences as, as we continue to grow and and that's been a really fun experience for me as a writer um as much fun of his experience Wow, let me see if I can get this sentence out 
out of my mouth. As much fun of an experience as it's been for you as a writer, uh, it's been a funner experience for me as a reader and as a reviewer. Um, You know, a, a lot of times you get a book and you read it and because it's a book you have to review and you've got to read and you've got to talk to the author and sometimes you just go oh god i gotta read this book oh god i gotta read this book but it's like this book came in i went oh god i gotta read this book it's great (laughs) i i've been so looking forward to reading the next michael andrews book and I'm so looking forward to reading the next one. And I can't thank you enough for uh, bringing Michael to us. And I can't thank you enough for whenever the next one comes up. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm really looking forward to having you back when it comes on. Well, thank you so much. I so much look forward to that. And I'm I'm just thrilled uh, to hear how much you've enjoyed them. Our guest tonight or today if you're listening during the day because it would be stupid to say tonight if you're listening during the day has been author mark leslie with his latest installment in the canadian werewolf series fright night's big city it's a book worth checking out it's a series that is so cool and so much fun check it out mark thanks a lot man you're welcome back here anytime thanks tom really appreciate it Sci-Fi Saturday Night is made possible with the support of Granite Con and Double Midnight Comics, Plastic City Comic Con, the Upper Valley Comic Expo, Dreamforge Anvil and Dreamforge Magazine, and Comic Art House. If you're looking for a great gift idea, may we suggest Sci-Fi Saturday Night's anthology My Peculiar Family, available on Amazon. The audiobook is also available on Audible. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. Check out all of his amazing work at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their discography is available on Bandcamp. Thank you so much, Jojo. This is Dome saying shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. So unless it's daytime, good night, everyone.